Please note, this episode contains body desecration, gore, cannibalism, possible necrophilia, child abuse, and misrepresentation of transgender people. This episode is not suitable for children under the age of 18. Listener discretion is advised. In the sleepy town of Plainsfield, Wisconsin, one of the most notorious serial killers finds himself spreading fear and chaos, the kind that will leave a mark for decades to come. Hey, have you heard about Ed Gein? Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Hey, Have You Heard About? We're so glad you're joining us on this lovely September day. I hope it's beautiful where you are right now, and I hope you're staying safe. As always, I'm your host, Maddie, and joining me today is a classic podcast guest. You might recognize her from our Heaven's Gate episode. I believe that was like episode I believe so, yeah. This is an OG episode, but this is Willow. Hi, She's joining us once again today. So yay, I'm so glad that we're here doing this. I'm so happy. Okay, so right off the bat, let's get some housekeeping things out of the way. If you like what you hear and you're a fan of the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at H-H-Y-H-A podcast. I post updates there, that sort of thing. I post teasers for new episodes and it's a lot of fun generally. We also have a Patreon. So if you want to support the show directly, you can donate to the Patreon As little as $1 a month will get you an episode a day early, as well as updates every Monday, and those go a little bit more in depth. So I'm talking about like what I'm doing that week for the podcast, what my plans are for the month, all that sort of thing. As well as if you pay $7, you get Final Thoughts, which is a new video series I'm doing after every episode comes out where I follow up with my final thoughts and questions that people might have. That's nifty. Until I believe November, those are going to be on YouTube for everybody. But after November, they're going exclusively for patrons. Right now we've got the Shakespeare one up and that one was a lot of fun to film for me just talking about Shakespeare (laughs) as I do. So definitely check that out. We also have a Teespring store. All the merch from the store goes to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. It is an awesome, awesome organization that helps children who are, of course, missing or are in bad circumstances in their home life and all that sort of thing. It provides support for them as well as resources to get them out of those situations. So definitely go check them out. And if you want to support them, buy some merch. I think that's everything I need to talk about. Yes. No sponsors for this episode because I didn't know if I'd get it out because I literally just got out of quarantine yesterday. Yay! (laughs) So there we go. I want to say real quick, I'm sure you heard the trigger warnings at the beginning, but I'm going to reiterate this episode is going to be extremely heavy. I'm not going to go too much into the gory nature of it. That's something that you can Google on your own at your own discretion. I'm just warning you that it, it is a little bit frightening. And, you know, if you're a child under the age of 16, even 18, I would say, skip this episode. Well, first of all, I'd say, why are you listening to this? <laughs> Secondly, I would say skip this episode because it, I don't think it's appropriate for younger audiences. So 
just want to reiterate that. Now let's get into some good news. <laughs> so this one actually happened literally yesterday. I was trying to think of something to talk about for the good news for this episode. And I got a notification from our local news station. And I, I talked about this with you yesterday, I think, when I came by for dinner. You might not remember. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. This literally happened yesterday. Literally the news, I'm saying literally a lot. I'm so sorry. But the news dropped at 6.08 p.m. yesterday which is how fresh this is. And so this is a case that I'm go- I want to talk about in the future. It is about a guy named Curtis Flowers, who is from Winona, Mississippi. So just down the road a ways mm-hmm. from us. And in July of 1996, he was falsely charged and accused oh, of the yeah. murder of four people. I remember you talking about this. So Curtis Flowers has been in prison for about 23 years now, I believe, for something that he was not a part of, did not commit, basically. And he has gone to trial six times. That's ridiculous. Yeah, yes, it is ridiculous. He went to trial six times, basically. They really wanted him to confess that he did it or, you know, prove that he did it and all sort of that kind of thing. And finally, I think they were going for a seventh trial recently. But the attorney general got involved finally with the case. And that's sort of what brought us to this conclusion in that Curtis Flowers, all of the charges against him have been dropped. He's now officially an innocent free man, which is great. Right. That doesn't negate the fact that he was in prison for 23 years, almost. Right. But I think that's great news that he has been freed for a crime that he didn't commit in the first place. So that's a little bit of good news. It, this crime, this this whole story is really ridiculous, which is why I want to talk about it. But he wasn't even near the area, I'm pretty sure, when the crime was committed. He had no criminal record prior, prior to this. He was arrested because of his race, pretty much. They were just trying to pin it on somebody. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Curtis Flowers has been freed. I just thought, I saw that yesterday and I was like, oh, that is so awesome. That is some right. good news. And he he says that, this is a quote from him, he says, Today I'm finally free from the injustice that left me locked in a box for nearly 23 years. I've been asked if I ever thought this day would come. I have been blessed with a family that never gave up on me, and with them by my side, I knew it would. So he maintained his innocence for all of those years, and finally, finally, Mm -hmm. he's able to walk free, which I thought was some great news i love how supportive his family has been because i know in some cases like this the family kind of tries to move on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so now that we know about curtis and again that's a case that i'm going to revisit at some point because now that we have a conclusion to it right super interesting so now let's let's move on to the bad news of today (laughs) the The real reason we're here yeah the real reason that we're here this case hmm Mm-mm-mm. So this case is actually pretty famous, and I'm sure a lot of people have heard of it or they have seen the things that have been inspired by it. Okay. So Willow, well, over the summer, while we were quarantining, all that sort of stuff, self-isolating, whatever, our friend group got together and we watched a film together. Uh-huh. And do you remember what that film was? No, I don't. <laughs> it was Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, That was the first time you had yes, seen that that's film. that's right. My first time. Yeah. What did you think of it? I thought it was very interesting. I thought Buffalo Bill is going to play a bigger role. 
Well, I'm glad you brought up Buffalo Bill just now because he's part of our segue. (laughs) So this guy that we're fixing to talk about, he is a serial killer and he is some of the inspiration behind Buffalo Bill, Uh the main antagonist in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Uh Leatherface, and the inspiration behind Norman Bates. Okay. So this guy is the OG. Yeah. So, hey, Willow, have you heard about Ed Gein? I certainly have. Oh, boy. <laughs> he's, a, he's a real Gein. doozy. He really is a doozy. He really is. He's um, he's an interesting fella, for sure. That's, and that's I had, a way to put it, yeah. Yeah, when I was researching for this case, I had to pause multiple times. And I have seen more than I want to see Yeah. from what was inside his house. I purposefully make sure not to look up his name on mm-hmm. Google because I'm not one to look at pictures of crime scenes and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I like to learn about it, but I don't want to see it. And mm-hmm. I know he's got a a whole treasure of... He does. A whole treasure trove. He's got a whole treasure trove of things. So let's, before we get into what he did, let's figure out who this dude was. Okay. So Ed Gein was born August 27th, 1906 in... Lacrosse, Wisconsin. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Wisconsin, if I said that wrong. Uh, that's how it looks. So his father was an alcoholic, and he was described as very weak, and he had very, very small self-worth. So he just was not a happy camper a lot of the time, to put it as lightly as I can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then his mother was known for being, quote, fanatically religious, unquote. We love that. Yes. So she was aggressively Christian mm-hmm. as they come. That's no offense to Christians. I am a Christian. However, there are some of those out there that do get a little bit intense with their philosophies right. and their beliefs. And his mother, Ed Gein's mother, was one of those. There's extremes in all areas. Exactly. And he also had one brother. I think he was an older brother named Henry. His mother, whose name was Augusta, she was absolutely ruthless about... Just everybody that wasn't her immediate family. She preached to the boys that women were creatures of sin, Mm -hmm. that lust and carnal desires were sins. And they taught them that the cities that they lived in were filled with, quote, sodomites and harlots. Oh. Now, if we don't know what those are, (laughs) that's not a good term. It's basically just kind of being very misogynistic towards women mm-hmm. to put it in basic basic terms it's basically calling women for lack of a better term i'm sorry whores and that yeah. kind of stuff you know yeah. she she was very very anti-women even though she was one herself not only that she would abuse the boys on a regular basis if they broke any of her teachings if they sinned in her eyes and she would bully her husband to no end which was why he was considered weak and had not a lot of self-worth, and probably was an alcoholic, let's be honest. I mean, I would be too. Mm -hmm. So Ed, interestingly, became incredibly attached to his mother, even though she was extremely manipulative and mentally and physically abusive to him. Which, if we know all about serial killers, we know that if they're attached to their mother, that's probably not a good sign. Right. You know. So in 1915, Augusta moved their family to Plainfield, Wisconsin. And again, she continued to teach the boys that women are creatures who basically corrupt men 
and they're the ones that defiled Christ. Now, speaking from a theological standpoint, I'm not sure where she's getting that second <laughs> part from. She's starting rumors about women. <laughs> it's like, hey, did you hear that so-and-so I don't, defiled Christ? Oh my Ooh, God, no way. Whoa. Whoa. Oh my God. God. Yeah, so she she just really hates women. I think that's the thing that we need to take away. Is that <laughs> this woman hates women. The only time that Ed and Harry were free from sort of their mom's reign, her clutches, were when they were at school. However, they were not allowed to make any friends at all. Because again, Augusta saw everybody else outside of their immediate family as the worst possible thing you could be, a sodomite and a harlot. She's... A monster. She really is a monster. Because that they weren't allowed to have friends, and Ed was sort of odd, just mm-hmm. in general, he was bullied incessantly. And shortly after he graduated from school, he immediately went back to his home, and he never, ever socialized again after that. Oh, man. Which is really sad, because, you know, I the mother thing is awful, but also the fact that she didn't really let him socialize and have friends i think is a huge part as to why what happened happened right i think so it's just it's really sad that this is sort of how we got to this point because i feel like there were a lot of times where he could have reached out to somebody but it was either fear or he loved his mother too much that he didn't it's probably a mix of both yeah I agree. I Yeah, for sure. On April 1st, 1940, Ed and Henry's father died, which left them completely 100% alone with their mother. And of course, she got absolutely worse. She continued to teach her sons that women were the absolute evil and that everybody was against them. So again, that whole family dynamic of we can't trust anybody outside of our immediately immediate family, all that sort of thing. It almost sounds like she created a three-person cult. Yes, I think, yeah, absolutely. And we all know with cults, when you got that one dude who's trying to break away, it usually doesn't end up happy with that one dude. Yeah. Not good things happen. So Henry at this time actually started a relationship with somebody in the town and his mother completely denounced him. She said that you're not my son. You, you know, the fact that you have another woman in your life is basically a sin in of itself. And this is against what I've been teaching you all these years. Thoughts? (laughs) Like, but I, it don't make no sense. It don't make no sense. What do you mean? Because she went out and got married and did all these things herself. She's a woman herself. Why would she? Why is it she okay with her her own son doing that? Like it's not that big of a deal. I don't understand people like this. Well, it's, like you said, the cult mindset mm-hmm. of she's she's at the point. I, I bet she has some sort of mental illness. She probably has some type you of know, god complex. Yeah, that too. But I, she just was so you know hateful towards the world that anybody that sort of came into their family or tried to leave their family were immediately the enemy in her eyes. You Someone know? hurt her. Yes, I, I believe that probably is correct. When he was trying to get out of the situation, Henry tried his best to also get Ed out as mm-hmm. well. But by that point, Ed was so saturated in his mother's teachings and her philosophies and his love for her pretty much that you know he just refused to leave right at that point so in 1944 a fire broke out on the farm and ed claimed that henry had vanished into it Mm -hmm. shortly after the fire was put out and they started looking for henry they found him lying face down in the forest with a blow to the back of his head 
Interestingly, the coroner said that he died by smoke inhalation. Really? And Ed was never questioned. That smoke must have beat the hell out of the back of his head. I guess so. I guess so. Just really whacked him real hard. Gosh dang. You know how smoke is. Right. It happens. It slaps you right down. So also in the same year, shortly after the fire, Augusta had a stroke. And at that point, she had to rely on Ed for literally everything. So he could not, if he had the choice to leave now, he definitely, that was taken away from him after his mom had a stroke because there was no one else to take care of her. Right. So just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. That short end of the stick just keeps getting shorter for him. It really does. Between 1944 and 1945, Ed was completely isolated with his mother. Now he didn't even have his brother to sort of keep him on the wagon. Yeah. For lack of a better phrase or whatever. (laughs) And interestingly, the teachings just got worse. Now, there's a story that I heard, I believe from biography.com, their YouTube video, which is very fascinating. They did a great job talking Mm. about Ed Gein. But so there's a story where Ed and his mom took a very rare trip into town and they saw, I might be saying it wrong, but they saw a man beating a dog and next to the man was someone who was not his wife and so instead of you know condemning the man for i think it was beating this dog and just abusing it augusta condemned the woman for being around the man even though she wasn't his wife what if that was his sister like i i I, the story wasn't really specific about who it was but you know I figured they're so isolated, they might not know everybody in the town. So maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. You know, she probably knew that they weren't married or she knew his wife or something like that. But Mm -hmm. she knew enough about this man to know that that person wasn't his wife. His wife. Yeah. So she, she took that as an example for... Ed to learn that all women are sodomites and harlots, you right. know? It to sounds quote like her. A, a real Adam and Eve situation where people blame Eve for Adam eating the apple, mm-hmm. but like he bit that apple on his own accord. Yep. There you go. There you go. On December 29th of 1945, Augusta had a second stroke and she actually died. God bless. God bless. So Ed was 39 years old at the time. And he completely sealed off his mother's room. So he left it completely untouched as though she was going to walk back in there and continue her daily life. Uh He sealed it off from the rest of the house. And then he boarded and shut a lot of the house itself. So at this point, he has completely locked himself away from the outside world. Right. Which is never a good thing. It's kind of wild to think that. For almost 40 years, he was completely under his mother's reign. Yeah. And for most of those years, he was with almost no one but his mother. Mm-hmm. Talk about a toxic household. Yes, for real. We're moving on into 1946. Basically, during this year, Ed started to teach himself taxidermy, and he began hmm. to collect a lot of explicit books as well as biology books. And through that, he learned female anatomy oh so he basically was looking for everything and anything to sort of learn about women in ways that his mother didn't want him to right if you don't know what explicit books i'm talking about i'm talking about porn you know (laughs) i just want to make that clear that this is what this man was doing at this point in 1947 this is where we're starting to get into it Mm -hmm. he started to rob graves Wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful, indeed. 
originally it was he would take the bodies to his house he would take out the organs that he wanted and then he'd bring the bodies back is what i understand and the organs that he constantly stole were hearts heads intestines and genitals wow wow indeed exclusively women by the way yeah women corpses so what what are our what do we um hmm what do we think well i was thinking you know at least he was nice enough to bring what was left back that's true you know gotta look at the positive things Mm -hmm. what the hell is he gonna do with taxidermy (laughs) and a head and like pieces of that body oh Oh boy, gonna have to find out. <laughs> Just remember, Buffalo Bill <laughs> was inspired by this dude, if that tells you anything. He claimed when he was finally, of course, caught and brought in mm-hmm. for questioning eventually, years after this, he claimed that he had had visions of grave robbing, but he didn't think that he had actually done it. So oh. according to Ed, he went unconscious, had visions that he was digging up a body, carrying the body back to his house, dismembering the body, bringing the body back to the grave, and putting dirt back on it. That was just a vision. Oh. But he was shocked, apparently, to find out that he had actually been doing it, which is very interesting. I wonder if he was, like, in some type of psychosis phase, or if he was under the influence of some type of drug. According to what police believe... Ed possibly stole from the graves of 40 women oh my during this time. So, yeah, he, he was just making it happen. Now, Ed didn't think that he had done that to many women, but based on, you know, investigating the mm-hmm. graveyard and what dirt had been messed around with and that sort of stuff, I, I believe the investigators said that the official number was 40 that's graves that he had so many. robbed. Yes, that is <laughs> a lot of women. Gosh. And I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, they might have all been women who sort of apparently looked like or were the same age as his mother when they died, which is... They were old women? Yes, old women, exclusively. <sighs> Older women. Mm-hmm. Gilf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow, Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Thanks. During the 1950s, this is when Ed started to take the bodies with him, and that's when he began to keep them, you know, yeah, as you do. I was about to say, as mm-hmm. you do. He would practice taxidermy on them, which is where we're getting yeah. into the taxidermy wow. thing. Wow. Isn't that fun? Yeah, wow. Like, you know, you got to practice your skills somehow. I feel like there's alternate routes you could take that are a lot better, but... You know, you got to do what you got to do. It's, yeah, it's the 40s. 50s now. 50s, excuse me. You only have so much resources. In addition to doing all of this, of course, you had to have money mm-hmm. during this time period. And Ed was a handyman around town. Okay. So he would, people would hire him for really odd jobs. And that's the only time he would come out of his little house right. where all his stuff was. It's and he would do work around the town. And in addition to that, to thank people for hiring him, and I, I kind of want to gag when I talk about this, but he gave meat to them, which oh, he said no. he claimed was venison. Oh, I didn't even know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So cannibalism has come up frequently this year on the podcast mm-hmm. for some reason. And... I, 
I think it's one thing to be a cannibal, but it's another thing entirely to make other people right. unwillingly be a cannibal. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not a good thing. Because of that, people assume that Ed was eating the bodies himself as yeah. well. I mean, I, that would make sense if he was giving out the meat. He would probably Eat try it. it himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunate. Unfortunate. So in 1954, that's when everything really starts to go downhill for everybody involved, pretty much. I want to make this very clear. We don't actually know how many people Ed had killed before, prior Mm -hmm. to 1954. People assume it was, you know, he had killed prior to then. Yeah. But we don't know the exact number of victims. So that's one thing that a lot of people note is prior to 1954, it's unknown if he killed anybody or how many people he killed, you know, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. But we know he was robbing graves before then. So December 8th of 1954, he traveled to Pine Grove, Wisconsin, and went to a tavern. And that's where he met Mary Hogan. Now, Mary Hogan worked at the tavern. Mm -hmm. She was a middle-aged woman who looked eerily like his mother of course she did do we know where this is going do i have to explain i have a i have a good feeling okay good i'm glad that we're on the same page yeah at some point in the night he shot and killed her and then took her back home where he chopped her up and Mm. i'm gonna put this as gently as i possibly can basically Turned her into furniture. That is as gently as I could possibly put it. Turned her into furniture. Yes. Thoughts? He's a... Real handy. Mm-hmm. He's a, he is a handyman, after all. I'm so sorry. That was not appropriate. This is where we're getting into kind of the gory details of the story, but... and. You can find all of these images online if you want. They're Mm. out there. I have seen them. No, thank you. I don't want to see them again. Basically, these are the things that he would do to Mary Hogan, as well as the second victim that we're going to be talking about, and the bodies that he, you know, dug up. So he would make soup bowls out of women's uh, skulls. He would stuff their heads and hang them around the house like trophies he kept a box of noses under his bed and then he would use the bodies to create a woman suit which is where buffalo bill of course got the idea from as well as leatherface from texas chainsaw massacre Mm -hmm. he said that he would wear the suit out at night and he later claimed that he always wanted to be a woman which is very problematic yeah a uh, way of thinking you know i it's 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 touchy because like i don't think he actually knew or had these feelings that he wanted to be a woman i don't think he experienced like body dysphoria is that what it's dysmorphia. called dysmorphia dysmorphia mm-hmm. body dysmorphia or anything like that so i don't know I doubt that he actually, you know, wanted to transition or anything like right. that. It's it's odd that he would say he'd want to transition, especially since his mother, while he was growing up, condemned women so hard. And I also think it's interesting, since we're on the topic of his mother, thank you for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. He exclusively, you know, like I said earlier, 
would go for bodies or women that looked like or were close to the age of his mother. So this is th- these were the people that he was, quote, wearing, unquote. So it's almost as if he wanted to not be just a woman, but he wanted to be his mother. Yeah. I wonder, yeah, I wonder if that has something to do with like growing up, he had the lack of power Mm. and his mother was held all the power. She's very dominant. So maybe him becoming his mother is a way of him getting control of his life in his own twisted way. Yeah. I wanted to point that out that, Mm -hmm. you know, as far as we know, based on what I've read and, and seen and, you know, all that sort of stuff. I, I don't think Ed Gein was transgender or anything like that. I think he was just not well. Yeah. Is what my thing is, you know? That's just my, my take. And it's interesting because, you know, the fact that this this idea of changing and, you know, putting on the persona of a woman is so... I mean, it's in Psycho. Not, I don't think in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it's in like, you know, Silence of the Lambs and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting that this is the. Th- I mean, obviously, it's pretty gross. But yeah. Like yeah. So I get I get why it is, but I think it's interesting that this is the thing that people are like, ooh, he wants to be a woman. You know, that's so gross. And I'm just like, mm, you know, it's different, different. It is different. different, very very different. Without going into too much detail about what's going on in the the house. That's basically what he was doing to Mary Hogan and all of the corpses that he was digging up and bringing on over. Like I said, if you're really interested and you want to have these images imprinted in your brain like they are in mine, I wish you the best of luck. You can find a lot of these pictures of not only his house and all that sort of stuff, but everything that was in his house on Google. Really surprisingly easy to find. I don't know why there isn't like a restriction or just like a warning, but you know, it is the internet and it is what it is, I guess, you know, it's whatever. 1954 is sort of the first time that we know that Ed Gein, you know, murdered somebody directly. Right. The first confirmed one we have. So he went on a little bit of a hiatus from this fun little little journey down murder lane. Yeah. And he didn't kill again until November 16th of 1957. And this one would be the one that would ruin everything for Ed, as they always do. That's for the best. Yeah. I agree. I agree. (laughs) Good point. So Bernice, let's see, Bernice Warden was a 58-year-old woman, and she was familiar with Ed. She had a hardware store that Ed frequented mm-hmm. when he needed stuff for handyman tools and all that sort of thing. And so on the morning of November 17th, or 16th, November 16th, I'm sorry, she opened up the hardware store and Ed stopped by to buy some things. And in the middle of the day, in the middle of the morning, Ed shot and killed her and then dragged her body back to his truck and took her to his house. In the middle of the day? In the middle of the day. Damn, he wasn't worried about anything. He was not concerned about just anything. You're right, yeah. Oh my gosh. He was just... I I don't think he was... I mean, obviously, he wasn't in his right mind. I just don't think he was in the right mental state at that moment to really consider what what he was doing and the logistics behind it. Bernice had a son named Frank Warden who was a trained deputy in a town nearby. Mm-hmm. And he stopped by to visit his mother. And I, th- I believe he, it was the day before 
when he sort of noticed Ed hanging around the store November 15th, so the day before she was killed. So that kind of made him a little bit suspicious of like, who's this guy, you know, just hanging around my mom's store. And then when she went missing, he immediately remembered Ed and launched an investigation to figure out, you know, who this guy was. Because he, I mean, you don't look at somebody and see their name floating over their head. Right. So he immediately went to see who this guy was and what deal, what the deal was. And he found in the register that the very last name the, like the last person that purchased something was Ed Gein. So that's when he called the police and Ed was arrested shortly after for the disappearance of Bernice Warden. And this is when they raided Ed's farm. Oh, and go. I'm going to, again, this is another instance of disturbing, messy, messy stuff. And I'm going to put this as gently as possible. So Bernice Warden's corpse was found in the barn it was found upside down she was missing some organs we'll just say that and one of those things that she was missing was her head they found it in a bag eventually in the house Mm. and they found her heart on the stove as though ed was fixing to prepare it to eat and then of course they found the rest of the things in the house which we already sort of discussed earlier. So the officers described Ed's house as a swamp. He, not only were all those, the body parts and stuff around, but he had not been taking care of it at all since his mother had died. He hadn't been cleaning. There were just disgusting things everywhere, all that sort of thing. So he was basically living in just filth pretty much. So there's that. November 17th, 1957, so I believe this might have been, this was either the day after or the actual day that they arrested Ed mm-hmm. officially. A police officer named Art Shelley confessed that he was so disturbed with what he saw in the house that he actually beat Ed's head against a brick wall until he confessed to Gosh. what he had done. Messy, probably not the way to do it. Right. But I I, I mean, like, I I. I'm not mad. I don't want to say that I get it, but I get it. You know, yeah. I get it. So, of course, it being the 50s and this being really the first big sort of murder of the century, pretty much besides, you know, World War II and all of that sort of thing. Right. Everybody in America wanted to see and know who Ed Gein was. So he basically became a celebrity overnight because, you know, that's what happens. Yeah. That's what happens. America loves a horrible story. I know. I guess so. So people wanted to look at the house and they were allowed to look outside, but they weren't allowed to go inside, which is Good. what people really wanted to do. And interestingly, the home actually appeared on the covers of not only Life, but Time magazine as well. Really? Yes. So Ed's story really was just blowing up at this point. He was popping. It really was. January of 1958, a judge said that Ed was mentally unfit to stand trial. At this point, doctors had diagnosed Ed with schizophrenia and psychopathology, which I think explains a lot of the decisions and the things that he did just in general. So he was placed in a mental hospital for the criminally insane. And there he became known as very mild mannered. He was polite. He was kind to everybody. He did as he was told. He didn't cause a ruckus. He just kind of, you know, existed there after everything he had done. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
So November 7th of 1968, 10 years after he was declared mentally unfit, finally he was declared competent to stand trial. Good. So he had been going through therapy and all that sort of stuff, and they said, okay, we're good to Yeah, it's time for some justice. Away. Yeah. They tried him only for the, the murder of Bernice Warden. They didn't try him for Mary Hogan's death. Some people think it's just because they didn't want to spend a lot of money on trying him for two murders, which is a weak excuse, yeah. in my opinion. But, you know. I mean, they deserve some closure as well. Exactly. Yeah. And he actually ended up confessing to the murder of Warden as well as Mary Hogan, you know. Okay. And he was found guilty on November 14th of that year. You know, they just decided to recommit him to the same hospital that he had been in. So he didn't technically go to jail, but the criminally insane hospital, I mean, that's, I I would think that's maybe an equivalent or as close as you can get. So 1974, he actually petitioned to be freed. Oh, did he? He did. Wow. He was like, hey, I think I've been here long enough. I think I've changed. like, I got a chance. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Let's see. He was born, so he was 70 at this point. Sure, Mr. Mm Gein. Sure, Mr. Gein. And then 10 years later on July 26th, oh, oh, real quick. Of course, he didn't get free. Let's make that clear. (laughs) Just by the way. In 1984, July 26th, he died via lung cancer Mm. in his little hospital room. I hope it was painful. Oh, wow. I mean, I would, maybe, you know, how good were cancer treatments back then? Oh, I don't know. But after everything he put all those mm -hmm. other women through, Mm -hmm. I I hope he didn't sleep peacefully. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I doubt, you know, I don't, cancer is a tricky thing and I I don't, I kind of have to agree with that. (laughs) So interestingly, he was buried in the same cemetery that he stole from. (laughs) Really? Back in the day. Yes. Uh, but in 2000, somebody ended up stealing his tombstone. So we don't know where he is buried in that area now because the tombstone hasn't been recovered. And I don't hmm. remember if they put anything down for him. I don't, I wouldn't want to. Yeah. So like we said before, Ed Gein was the inspiration for many, many books and films, such as Psycho. He was the inspiration for Norman Bates. In the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Leatherface was inspired by him. And, of course, Buffalo Bill in the classic Silence of the Lambs. And, I, you know, I could argue that Hannibal Lecter was a little bit inspired by him as well. I was wondering uh, if the rendition of Leatherface in American Horror Story was also based on him. Ooh, wait, remind me of the American Horror Story, so Leatherface. in Asylum, the, oh, the right. therapist who was played by Zachary Quinto, mm-hmm. he was also a murderer who skinned women and such, so... You know what? I bet so. Yeah. Because that takes place in, like, what, in the 50s? Yeah, 60s? around the same time, So that would have been... Yeah, that would have been exactly around the same Back time. Back in the olden days. Wow. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Good <laughs> job. Yeah, so obviously Ed Gein has inspired a lot of terror in our popular media, even to this day. Yeah. I forgot to mention, there is a book. Apparently, it's really, really good, and I want to check it out. I didn't have time to read it because of classes and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's called Deviant. It's written by Harold Schechter, and apparently it's a a fantastic look into Ed Gein and sort of the crimes that he committed and, and how America sort of took and became, you know, not attached to, that's the wrong word, but became obsessed Right. With who he was. I would definitely check that out. I'm going to check it out when I have free time, when I'm not reading 
a thousand books. Right. <laughs> so I, I definitely check that out. Like I said, it, it's got a lot of good reviews. So that might be something fun to look at. I might have to look into it. Yes. So that's basically all about Ed Gein. You know, like I said, I left a lot out for the sake of, you know, making sure I don't disturb or traumatize people. But yeah. a lot of this information and like I said, all the pictures and stuff from the house are online. Mm-hmm. You can literally look them up. I believe they're in a museum somewhere. So you can go see them if you want are to. They? I believe so. I think wow. so. So that's a lot of fun. A, a crime museum or something like that. But yes, so, you know, feel free to look into all of that if you're really interested and you want to sort of see what he did. I will say be very careful because a lot of it is, like I said, extremely disturbing. Yeah. And it's not like, you know, you don't see heads and dismembered limbs and stuff but you you do see the things that he created with the women that he mutilated right for lack of a better term okay so any last thoughts about ed gein i'm glad he's not a part of this world any longer me too Mm -hmm. and i hope that never happens again me too that's a good point. Good Thank point. You. Yeah. Great, <laughs> great, great thoughts. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Willow, for joining us down this deep, dark hole of cannibalism and Ed Gein. Ed Gein in general. So if you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes. That would be greatly appreciated. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HHYHA podcast. If you want to support the show directly, check out our Patreon for updates. I should have the final thoughts episode out hopefully by either the 16th or the 17th of September. So we'll see how that goes. I'll try to get it up as soon as possible. Also check out our Teespring store if you're interested in getting some merch from the podcast. All the proceeds, like I said, go straight to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. They're a great organization and we love to support them Mm -hmm. through our merch. Absolutely. Yes, they're awesome. As with all of the serial killers that we talk about on this show, I don't want to leave you with their names but I want to leave you with the victims' names. So I'm going to say thank you once again. We're going to bring in the theme music, and then we're going to listen to the known victims' names of Ed Gein. So the known victims are Mary Hogan and Bernice Warden.